Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Morning. It is a good morning to be at West Hills Friends. Yeah. Right? Soaking it in. Um, the scripture reading today is in Luke 22, verses 47 through 52, and John 1, 1 through 5. While he was speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this, and touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. And over to John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Before I get too far into my message, a little aside. Um, I'm going to be doing a bit of historical criticism, and uh, I find that the value in history and studying it is so much more than the often repeated reduction of learning the mistakes of the past in order to avoid making them. Uh, important, and I agree to an extent, but the reality of uh, when you study history, you start to realize the tragedy of history is no matter how much you study it, no matter how much you learn these mistakes, nobody in any time or in this time is, becomes wise enough to break out of their time, to not make mistakes in their time. So the real value in history, at least to me, was learning how we might live in this world. So saying that, I fully expect a member of Mars Yearly Meeting to be critiquing whatever I write in 300 years. <laughs> Pointing out uh, what I'm obviously missing, uh, but will never cross my mind in my lifetime. As Quakers aren't a particularly old sect when you think about it, 
um, but we tend to really like our history. I think part of what helps that is that the early Quakes were prolific writers, and as a historian, um, I love it. Primary documents, so little time. I've spent a lot of time in the writings of friends of old recently, and have found them comforting and insightful. So, the message I have today is one I've been thinking about since my QVS year, actually, or the seed of it started there. And it involves the thing that Quakers are perhaps given more credit for than anything. We are called one of the traditional this thing churches. At one point, we received the Nobel This Thing Prize. <laughs> peace. The peace testimony. And if I had a tag or title for this message, it would be the peace testimony is wrong. Oh, I saw some golf, golf ball. <laughs> OK, you're still with me. Stay with me, West Hills. I'm being obviously a little provocative, a little coy. Um, what happened was, during a QBS day, my house looked through different things that Quakers had written on peace. And one of the things we read was a letter um, sent to King Charles II, and is probably the most quoted piece of writing when people refer to the peace testimony, or at least when I've uh, seen it. I've seen it a lot. So the quote that I see is, we utterly deny all outward wars and strife and fightings with outward weapons for any end or under any pretense whatever. This is our testimony to the whole world, that the spirit of Christ by which we are guided is not changeable, and so as once to command us from a thing that is evil and again to move unto it, and we certainly know and so testify to the world that the spirit of Christ which leads us into all truth will never move us to fight war against any man with outward weapons, neither for the kingdom of Christ nor for the kingdoms of this world. So we approached that quote, amongst others, with questions about how we felt about it. And part of me felt uncomfortable with part of that, like a splinter reading that. And I couldn't tell why, and I was sitting with it. And in the end, I realized it was the whole second sentence, the run-on sentence, the spirit of Christ by which we are guided, not changeable. What compelled them to put in that part? I found that myself and my own personal convictions, I tended to agree. But the spirit didn't feel to me like it was rising as much out of those words, and yet I was still so reluctant to let those words go. I think um, a perspective that helped me with that was from a contemporary of uh, George Fox, who was one of the authors of that letter that I quoted. The contemporary is Isaac Pennington, and he said, truth will not lose ground by being tried. That's important, so I'm gonna say it again. The truth will not lose ground by being tried. The truth will set you free. It's one of Jesus' most deep and rich teachings. And for me, the truth will set you free makes me think it's important to seek the truth. 
And there's a nice little triangle there. Truth will set you free. Seek the truth. Truth will not lose ground by being tried. It works for me. So moving away from the second part of that quote with its unchangeables and its nevers um, meant that I would have to revisit what I'd already discerned through before. So I'd put forward today that I'd caution us for how much we refer back to that letter specifically when talking about the peace testimony. It was written in 1660 in a very particular context. It was written with a purpose to convince a king. I can imagine um, how those conversations might have went. George, really tired of all the suspicion we're drawing from the government, from the parliament before the king, and from Cromwell before the parliament. Can we just write something that will put an end to all these questions for once and evermore? Understandable when you're facing a lot of persecution. But that was the context. After taking a peace theory class at GFU, um, I was pretty aware that when people say peace, they can mean a lot of different things. One definition I was particularly not pleased with was that peace is just not war. Not war, peace. Two fascist states right next to each other. At least they're stable and not at war. Peace. Mm. It's not the peace that I feel I'm testifying to. And when I opened up peace as a question to bring before God again, it was becoming more defined in some ways, but expanding faster than I could define it. So I think that the truth should flow up through the words and not be dependent on the finality of those words. The peace I'm talking about isn't defined as no more nuclear weapons, but will surely have none. The peace I'm talking about isn't encapsulated by a world where every variety of person need not fear abuse at home or on the streets, but it surely will not include abuse. The peace I testify to doesn't include a world where different understandings of God lead to killing and hatred but it will surely include that. I mean, surely not include that. But that's just me, just AJ. Who do I know? That's bits of a definition, and it isn't complete. Ask the Spirit about the things I just said. I'm so thankful that Jesus never promised to send an inerrant book to search for every answer. He promised a Spirit they would teach you everything. And one of the least effective teaching models is the lecture, info dump, good luck on the test. And one of the, right? One of the better teaching models, I think, invites the giftedness and the uniqueness of the learner to journey together in conversation. So maybe when we build up the peace testimony, except 
praise for its history. Maybe we're putting it on the shelf next to fine china, comfortably in our possession, maybe becoming less alive in the process. So really, I've been using the peace testimony as a framing device for this whole thing. But really, the hard part of the message that I'm getting to is to revisit what you might already know. The thing that you are sure of without any doubt. It's not something we're inclined to do. When we've already put in the work of discernment, when we have a boat of truth that is safely afloat, why would the Spirit call us out into the water again? I'll take a step further than friend Isaac and say that the truth doesn't only not lose ground by being tried, but the truth gains ground by being tried. Perhaps revisiting peace as an open question in your mind will give you a new angle to look through the mirror darkly. A new part will be buffed out that you hadn't seen before. Your peace testimony will grow and be filled with life. The two verses that I began with help inform a lot of my own personal peace testimony. And maybe a new part of scripture will be illuminated to you as we open this question. All these open questions might rightly inspire to be asked of us now and to our kin in the future. Whose side are you on? And we'll have to give our answers when that time comes, but hopefully never refer back to an old, old letter. Some queries before we move into a time of open worship. What do you know for sure that you could bring back as an open question to God? What is your peace testimony? Where could questions bring new life and more truth into your faith journey? <laughs> 